Hey everybody, welcome to this live stream message from the Neighborhood Church. I've got a button-down shirt on, so you know it must be time to bring you affirmations for the in-between. I want to get a big question out there. I want to address it with five affirmations, and then I want to talk about this word ascension. Ascension. So question, affirmations, ascension. That's where we're headed. So I would love it if you could join me in Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at a little scene as our story continues. It's a story that you're invited into. We see in Acts all that Jesus continues to do through the power of the Holy Spirit with people just like you and me that are going to everyone everywhere. So Join me in Acts chapter 1. We're going to be there in just a minute. And while you're grabbing a Bible or swiping or opening a new tab, would you get a journal or a notepad? Because I'm going to give you five affirmations that are like statements that you might want to write down. So we're going to do a big question. We're going to do some affirmations. And then we're going to talk about ascension. Question, affirmation, ascension. Ooh, I love that. That makes my preacher heart happy. But before we pray and get into it, I want to give a special shout out to Kathy Kiesler. Kathy, today is her birthday. She was a pastor in our church for some time. She's still a part of our church. She's still loving and praying and serving, even though she's not a pastor in the strict title sense. She's been a great blessing and encouragement to us. So Kathy, if you're checking this video out later on, if you're listening on the podcast, we love you. Happy birthday. And to everybody else, let's get into it. Y'all ready? Before we get to our question, affirmation, and ascension, would you just take a breath right where you are? Breathe out. Breathe deeply. Maybe for the first time today, and I would love to just begin this time with a quick and simple prayer, the prayer, thank you. Would you type in the rest of that sentence, thank you for, and fill in the blank. If you want to put that in the comments as your prayer, I invite you to do so. If you would just like to voice that right now while you're listening and watching, thank you for, and fill in the blank as our prayer. If you just want to keep breathing deeply, become mindful of the gifts that God has given you, you can pray that in your heart. God, thank you for. I'll give you just another moment. God, thank you. God, thank you for life. God, thank you for food. Thank you for those of us who still have jobs. Thank you for those of us that even without, we're finding that you can still give us what we need. Thank you for our nurses, doctors, those within our church, within our community who are on the front lines. Thank you for their bravery and willingness to continue to do the work that you've called and equipped them to do. God, we say thank you. Thank you for this moment together, even though we're apart. And now take another breath and let's pray that simple prayer, would you, God, would you, 
as you look ahead to these moments we have together, God, would you speak? Would you remind? Would you affirm? Maybe you want to type that in the comments there. Would you heal the sick? Would you provide for the poor and needy? Would you meet needs, even through our hands, for those who are unemployed or underemployed or worried about the future? Would you be near to them and move in them, around them? Would you provide and heal? And would you bless and keep? Take another moment and sit with that prayer. Would you? And we pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that you've joined me in Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at a little scene there as I give you a question, as I give you affirmations. I'm going to talk about ascension. That's where we're headed this evening. You know, this week, Amy was watching the news and she called me in and said, look at this. And I said, what am I looking at? And on the graphics, on the banners, you know what I'm talking about at the bottom of the screen where they put the headlines and the stories? She said, look at the background. Look at the background of that banner, that graphic. And I looked closely and you know what I saw? You could probably guess. It was images of the coronavirus. It was zoomed in and kind of colored. It was a background image, that famous image of that zoomed in germ, virus, protein, whatever it is, with the little sticky red crowns all around it. She goes, look at this. The background of every headline, coronavirus. And she goes, isn't it already in the background of our life every day? I got to turn on the news and see it in the background of every story. And we were sitting there looking at that as if we needed reminding, right? Every plan that has been made and unmade, coronavirus is in the background. Every worry, anxiety, school, summer, fill in the blank, coronavirus is in the background, I think this is why we need to keep doing what we're doing here. This is why you need to keep showing up at each other's lawns and porches to encourage each other. That's why we need to keep logging on and listening in. Why we need to keep calling each other. We need to be reminding each other that Jesus is still alive and reigning and working Last week in one of our worship videos, I hope you've been checking these out. She just posted one. Our worship leader, Kelly Moss, she said last week that God cannot be overshadowed. Wow. Do you believe that? It's hard sometimes, right? With the coronavirus in the background, we need to keep doing this to be reminded that God cannot be overshadowed. When this virus is always present, we need to remember who is truly present. Wherever we are, whatever we go through, that's why I think we need these affirmations. We talk about ascension, but first I told you we got to address a big question. Here's the question. How can you say Jesus reigns? How now? 
can we say Jesus reigns? You tell me I need to be reminded of that, but not everyone is convinced, are they? How can we say Jesus reigns? This is the question I want to explore with these affirmations and with ascension. How can we say Jesus reigns? I got to tell you this. We ain't the first to ask it. We ain't the first to wrestle with it. The church has always affirmed that Jesus reigns. That's what it means to be a Christian. Jesus, your Lord, I believe you are who you say you are, and I'm going to live my life accordingly. I'm going to say, Jesus, you reign even when Rome reigns or Nazi Germany reigns. They've always affirmed it even though they've always suffered because of it. It's not new to us, this suffering and wondering. How can we say that Jesus reigns? I'm here to tell you, the church has always affirmed this, and they've also suffered in light of it. This is what we're going to talk about, these affirmations and with the ascension. Now, in the church calendar, Easter has happened And 40 days after Easter is Ascension Day. Do you know when Ascension Day is? It's not today, even though we're talking about Ascension. It's actually this Thursday. We get this idea because at the beginning of our story that we've looked at the last couple weeks, Jesus is meeting with his friends, his followers, his disciples. He's talking about the kingdom of God, that God is reigning. You're living it right now. God's going to reign. He's right here. It's so close right here, right now. And he spends 40 days with them, and then he ascends. So 40 days after Easter, we commemorate the ascension. And it's when this kingdom is really taking shape and inaugurated. The cross, the resurrection, the ascension, this Christ event is the inauguration of the kingdom. And we live in the in-between, affirming that Jesus is reigning, even though we suffer. We live in the in-between of the inauguration and consummation of the kingdom. You with me on this thought? Theologians call it the already and not yet. It's already happening. Jesus is reigning, but it's not yet fully realized. These are affirmations for the in-between, the already and not yet. So, Acts chapter 1, a little bit of a snippet from this story. Jesus has spent 40 days with his friends and disciples. He said, y'all, wait just a minute. The Spirit of God is going to come upon you. He's going to empower you to be my witnesses where? You remember Acts 1-8? Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth, rippling out to announce the kingdom that has been inaugurated as they live in the in-between. And immediately after he says this, 40 days after Easter, this is what happens. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. You ready? You with me? I don't know. I can't see you, but I'm trusting you are. (laughs) Ready? Verse 9. That's what vamping looks like to make sure you got a Bible. I don't know. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going. That's got to be hilarious. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, we're led to believe that these are angelic heavenly beings, right? They speak, verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, 
Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. This is usually the part of our message where I tell you some funny story about the girls. I'm going to tell you, it's been a hard week for our girls. Shout out to all of you that have had hard weeks with your kids, right? Now, I think that they're feeling what you and I are all feeling. Hard things are made harder during this sheltering in place in this pandemic. Am I right? The hard thing for the girls was always cleaning their room. Oh, can I get an amen, parents, with kids with messy rooms? It makes a hard thing, cleaning their room, even harder. And this week, y'all, we felt it. They felt it. They were struggling. And it reminds me of what I've said a few times in my life. I think another word for parenting is reminding. You with me? I think a synonym of the word parenting is reminding. Here's what I mean. They've heard it. They've learned it. But they momentarily forget it. Am I right? They heard it. They learned it. But yet they forget it. Right? Not one parent. I'm sorry. Not one of you or me or her has said, put your dirty clothes away and it's stuck once and for all. You're telling me that your teenager has always put away the dirty clothes because they heard it and they learned it and they never forgot it? No. Parenting equals reminding. Am I right? If I were to push this even further, I would say that discipling, being a mature, progressing, growing apprentice of Jesus, another word for discipling is reminding. Because there's not one Christian on this earth that has heard it, learned it, and not forgotten it once, and not failed to live it at least once or one million times. Am I right? I think another word for parenting is reminding. I think another word of discipling is reminding. And especially in a season where hard things get harder and the coronavirus is always in the background. Are you with me? Do you see where I'm going here? We need reminding, right? So right off the top, right now, I'm going to give you five statements, five affirmations that are going to return to the ascension. That big question, how can you say Jesus reigns? Let me give you five affirmations that I think address that question. So if you got your journal, your notepad, here's the statements, okay? We don't have slides. I wasn't able to get the overlays going. Sorry, John Bronco. But I want to give you these affirmations. You ready for them? All right, number one, God is not the source of evil. You might want to write that down because discipling is reminding, right? God is not the source of evil. The Bible was written by many different people over many different centuries, and the Bible has always stopped short of saying that evil originates from God. God is not the source of evil. 
In fact, James, who wrote a little book in the New Testament, said, don't even say that God tempts you to do evil. It's not what God is about. God is not the source of evil. Don't go running around saying, God made me do this evil, right? Whatever happens in this world that is evil is from some force and some choice, some brokenness that is apart from God. God who created all things involved some risk in giving this world actual agency and it opened the door to all kinds of crazy, but we got it affirm that God is not the source of evil. That's number one. I hope you are reminded of this. Number two, ready? God is love and the source of life. It's number two. God is love and the source of life. God is both creator of all that is And he's also the sustainer of all that is. If you currently are living and breathing, it's because God is sustaining you. Later in the book of Acts, we meet a guy named Paul. Shout out to Carla and her hilarious video for the neighborhood kids that she posted today, where she talks about the beginning of Paul's journey with Jesus. But Paul becomes a witness of Jesus, and he's walking around a cosmopolitan city, and he takes a well-known phrase from the first century, and he attributes it to God. He says, y'all heard it said, in him we live and move and have our being. He said, that's talking about God. God is both creator and sustainer. God is love and the source of life. He has not abandoned his project to save his creation. He created it, he's sustaining it, and he ain't done with it, okay? So that's number two, right? Number one, God is not the source of evil. Number two, God is love and the source of life. Number three, ready? This is a little bit long, okay? God in Christ, God in Christ has demonstrated his posture toward brokenness, illness, and evil. God in Christ has demonstrated his posture toward brokenness, illness, and evil. Okay? Let me explain. We say as Christians that God poured himself into the person of Jesus. Father, Son, and Spirit imaged in the person of Jesus. So we say in our church that Jesus is the embodiment of the love and reign of God. What does God look like? He looks like Jesus. And when Jesus was walking and talking and ministering on this earth, when he encountered brokenness, he restores it. When he encounters illness, he heals it. When he encounters evil, he liberates people from its bondage. God in Christ has demonstrated emphatically that he is the anti-brokenness. He is anti-illness. He is anti-evil. Why would Jesus go around healing, liberating, elevating, moving, remaking, restoring all of this mess for us to look around and say, yeah, God must have screwed this whole thing up. No, God has demonstrated emphatically in Christ his posture toward brokenness, illness, and evil, which leads us to number four. God in Christ has demonstrated his posture toward suffering. 
God in Christ has demonstrated his posture toward suffering. Okay, that's number four. In Jesus, who is the walking embodiment of the love and reign of God, we see that God himself entered into suffering and saved the world through suffering. Last few weeks I've said, here's a bad question to ask God. Why? Why? It's natural, but it's bad. Because you won't get an answer. Bible never gives an answer to this. We cannot ask why and expect an answer. So a better question than why is what? What, God, are you up to? What, God, are you doing? Now, I was talking to a pastor about this a couple weeks ago, suffering and lamenting. And he said, you know what? I'll give you an even better question. And I said, please, because I've preached this like 50 times, please help me. He said, a better question than what is where? Did you catch that? Where, God, are you in suffering. The Psalms say that God is near to the brokenhearted. Jesus pronounces the Beatitudes, the blessings, the geography of the poor, broken, meek, merciful, hungry, desperate. The geography of them is actually close to God. God is near. God is with you. God is alongside you. The best question to ask when you're suffering, God's posture towards suffering is W-I-T-H, with, not abandoned you. Earlier I talked about how Kelly said that God cannot be overshadowed. I'll add, especially and even in the valley of the shadow. In this world where the shadows seek to overtake and overwhelm you, I'm going to talk about this in a minute. You see this world kind of against the background of darkness? Let me tell you, God has not abandoned us. He's demonstrated his posture towards suffering. So here's the fifth affirmation. You ready for it? God has promised that sin, death, and evil will end. Can I remind you? Again, can I affirm? God has promised that sin, death, and evil will end. But these are affirmations for the in-between. Because some of us are still tasting death and evil and sin. But we can affirm as all Christians throughout all ages, yes, Jesus is in fact reigning. And we keep trusting and affirming God's goodness and his posture with us and for us. Those are our five affirmations. Hope you got those. Hope they're helpful. They're helpful for me as to why we keep showing up and reminding each other. So I want to spend the last couple moments talking about ascension and leaving you with a prayer. Okay, let's power through back into our story. We've done the affirmations, now let's talk ascension, okay? Now, in Acts chapter 1, we see that Jesus goes to be with God, and then the people, the disciples are looking up, and then these angels tell them there's life to go live, and they go about their merry way as the story continues. Let's get into that story, because in those few verses, it's loaded with meaning. First, I need to talk to you about this. Y'all... 
Despite what you might see in some Google images about the ascension in some medieval paintings, these disciples did not imagine that Jesus was the first spaceman. Okay? They did not assume that heaven is always accessible by rocket ship. I said accessible weird. They did not assume, and we should not assume, in reading this story, that Jesus was the first spaceman that traveled to heaven. No, no, no. When the Bible speaks of heaven, get this, they're talking about God's space, God's realm, okay? Heaven, put simply, is God's space, which means earth is our space, but I'm going to show you why the ascension is so loaded, why this meaning is so loaded when we talk about heaven and earth. Jesus goes into heaven, God's space, and yet we still see him interacting and moving within our space, which is earth. But y'all, American Christians have got such misconceptions about heaven, it's crazy. I've got to tell you, and this is true American ideas about heaven are more influenced by pagan philosophy and cartoons and movies, okay? We take some biblical images, we mix it in with some philosophy about how spirit is good, flesh is bad, and we get this weird misconception about heaven and earth. Let me tell you what the Bible affirms over and over about heaven. Heaven Firstly, is less about where we go and more about where God is, okay? Now, that's not to say that we don't go to be with God in heaven. It's just that the focus is not going to heaven when you die. But isn't that what you hear so much about American Christianity? Do a New Testament study, do an Old Testament study about going to heaven when you die. You see it in themes and blips and bursts, but it's not a major theme. No, heaven is less about where we go and more about where God is. Second, heaven is less about where we go there and more about how heaven comes here. Let me prove it to you. The famous prayer known as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. Can you say it? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus teaches us to pray that God's kingdom, God's politics, God's government, God's will, God's wants, God's way come to our space just as you would have it be in your space. I'm excited about this, and I'll tell you why. Amy, can you please hand me a little bit of heaven? Woo! Amy drew this picture to illustrate what I'm trying to talk about. I told you that this is earth, and you see a little bit of darkness, but still, God has not abandoned it. God loves it, and God is still moving. So when I say that heaven is less about where we go and more about what 
comes to earth, I mean what Jesus taught us to pray. That Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God and he spoke about how the kingdom of God with every choice, with every person, with every way in which we say, yes, your way, not mine, to give, to forgive, to follow him in this life, we see more and more heaven coming and invading earth. Do you like that? (laughs) We live in the in-between This is a gallon-sized bag. Do this with your kids and teach them that heaven is about invading earth. He's not saying, let's throw away this earth. It stinks. Let's just all go there. No, no, no. And revelation at the end of the story, it's not that we say, forget this earth. It's that he's remaking this earth because heaven that has come and is coming will one day fill and remake all things. The point of this hope is that right now, though we are in the in-between of the inauguration and the consummation, there is yet a day coming when God's kingdom will be here in full, not just in part. They're not opposites, they're overlapping. That's what I want you to know. And when we talk about ascension, Jesus goes into God's space And he has this body that's raised and fit for both heaven and earth. And Jesus is promising that his work is still going and he's inviting us to partner with him to bring this kingdom project more and more into reality until one day he returns the same way he left and the kingdom will come in fullness. You with me? Thank you, Amy. She colored that. Didn't she do a wonderful job? Shout out to Amy. So we keep asking that God's kingdom would come and will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we keep looking for glimpses of God's kingdom in spite of the background noise that seeks to help us or make us forget. What if I told you that this right now is as good as it gets? Those of us struggling with the question, how can we say that Jesus still reigns? What if I told you this is it? This is as good as it gets. Traffic is as good as it gets, right? Illness is as good as it gets. Sheltering in place, business, this is as good as it gets. Homelessness is as good as it gets. Poverty, cancer, war, violence, refugees, That's as good as it gets. I think there's something deep inside of you that says it just can't be. God, who's our creator and our sustainer, has hardwired us for hope. And I'm here to affirm that there is an end date, an expiration for all these kingdoms that are oppressing and opposing God's plan. There's an end date for sin and evil underneath There's an end date. There's an expiration, which is why I got to read you two verses from Daniel chapter seven. I told you that this little scene of ascension is loaded with meaning, and I can't talk about it without talking about these two verses. Write this down. Daniel chapter seven, verses 13 to 14. We're nearly there, but I got to read this to you. It's wild. Listen, Daniel has a vision and kingdom after kingdom is coming. And it's opposing and oppressing and they're scary and he's scared, he's terrified. And then he sees this. Then I continue to watch. And in my vision at night I looked. 
And there before me was one like a son of man. That's weird. Jesus always called himself the son of man, the human one. This son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. That's weird. In the ascension story we read in Acts chapter 1, a cloud hid Jesus. Maybe it's because a cloud was a symbol in their tradition of God's presence. Huh. Now, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. And this Son of Man was given authority. That's weird because in Matthew, Jesus says, All authority on heaven and earth was given to me. Hmm. Wild. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. That's weird. Jesus just told him to go to the ends of the earth. That's weird. In Revelation, we see another vision of every tribe, tongue, and nation bowing before this one who sits on a throne. That's weird. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. These oppressive kingdoms of sin, death, evil, kingdoms we can see, kingdoms we can't see, have an expiration date, but God's kingdom is everlasting. How can we say that Jesus reigns? I'm telling you, even now, in the in-between, we're hardwired with hope, saying it will get better. It has to get better. He's not abandoned us, and we keep praying and keep looking for signs of heaven right here on earth. It's interesting I just said keep looking. Because to get back into our story in Acts chapter 1, Jesus disappears and goes into that overlapping space, out of our space into God's space. The cloud of God's presence hides him, and they're still standing there looking up. A couple weeks ago, how many of you saw the blue angels fly over DFW? So we piled into the car that afternoon around lunchtime, Because we realized we were in the flight path. We're right off of Central Expressway. And so we were like, let's get to a parking lot to have a better field of vision. So we drove and parked and looked up. And we saw them in their formation flying low and slow. It was super cool. Even if it was just a minute, even if it was just a window, it was a little bit of a reminder that these people are working and they're faithful and they're They deserve to be applauded and recognized, even in an unusual kind of thing that this group did. So cool of the Blue Angels to do that. We watch them, and they come in and out of our vision. We get back into our car, and we drive home. Here's the best part. We're driving home, and we drive the opposite direction of the flight path. And we see person after person after person looking up. And if they're not looking up, the person that's with them is looking at their phone. And they're probably wondering, huh, are they late? Huh, where's their flight path? Huh, I guess they're not here yet. And we're dying laughing in the car because we're driving past and we see all these people going do-do-do-do-do. And we're like, show's over. You missed it. Go home. This is effectively what these two strange men that we are to believe are angels. It's that little code loaded with meaning. These are heavenly people telling them, dude, show's over. Quit looking up. Get on with living. 
in the in-between. Get on with living. The Holy Spirit is about to become a resident and you've got work to do. You with me on that? So I want to close with this. Jesus, when he was spending time with his disciples, said, it's actually good that I go. He was speaking of him returning to the Father, the ascension that will commemorate this Thursday in the church. It's good that I go. And if you're like me, you're like, what? No, that's the opposite of what we want, Jesus. But he's saying, if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. And what's fascinating about this scene in John 16 is there's something, if you begin to peel back the layers, going on, okay? I've said numerous times in this message that Jesus of Nazareth is the walking embodiment of the love and reign of God. Jesus of Nazareth, sitting in the upper room, eating with his disciples, healing lepers. He is God's presence localized in the walking, talking, reigning king, okay? When Jesus says, it's good that I go to heaven's space, God's space, I'm not localized, I'm universalized. The risen and reigning Lord can be present with you and you and you and me, even when you're there and there and there. And what's powerful is Jesus in the upper room says, it's good that I go because the Holy Spirit will come. After he ascends, they go to wait for God's presence to become localized again. But this time, it's in us. You get this? You get why we're talking about three verses? Because it's loaded with power and meaning. And it's inviting you into a reality that says, even though it's bleak and dark now, let's keep waiting, praying, living, choosing, following, because the kingdom that has come will come fully. And so I leave you with this prayer. The prayer that Jesus taught us to pray that I mentioned a moment ago is for you right now in this life. Dallas Willard, I'll paraphrase him, effectively said this. The late, great Dallas Willard, philosopher, theologian, teacher of spiritual formation, he says, if you keep waiting to welcome the kingdom of God, if you keep waiting for different circumstances to welcome the kingdom of God, you'll never experience it. Friends, the power and presence of the reigning Lord through the Holy Spirit is for you right now in this moment, sheltering in place, in a pandemic, in the in-between. Don't keep waiting. The power and presence is here with you. So let's pray this way. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in my heart as it would be in heaven. And move out just a little bit. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in my inner circle, as you would have it be in heaven. Let's move out a little further. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in my extended circle of family and friends, just as you would have it be in heaven. Let's move it out even further still. 
Let your kingdom come and your will be done in our city just as it would be in heaven. And let's move out even further. Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But friends, don't wait for different circumstances. Don't keep looking up. Look right here. The power and presence of Christ is localized in us. We can join the story. Let your kingdom come, your will be done right here, then here, then here, then here. And we can affirm that God is good and we can trust the ascended risen Lord really is reigning even while we wait in the in-between. May you be blessed and welcome the kingdom of God right here, right now. He's with you. He's moving among us even now. Amen.